0: everyone. Uh, welcome back to Reggie's Comic Stories, episode number five. Uh, I am Reggie. I'm here every other Wednesday. You can find me on weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com or pick it up from Podbean's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, etc., etc. And, uh, of course, Chris is every other Wednesday. The alternate Wednesdays doing... Chris is on Infinite Earth, so there's a show every Wednesday to hear... Uh, It just depends which one of us is doing it So this week, I'm going to do something a little bit out of my comfort zone Maybe something a little different for these shows so far Uh, I'm going to read something about Robert Crumb Now, just a little preamble Robert Crumb um, is a huge uh, factor in my life Uh, I first saw Robert Crumb's work probably in one of the books that I mentioned on my last episode Uh, I talked about seeing, you know... uh, Comics, that, that book of comics, A History of American Comics, and uh, the Smithsonian Collection. I bet there was some Robert Crumb in there. I don't really remember exactly, but the first saddle-stapled comic that I remember it touching and holding and opening and reading was a reprint of Zap Comics number 1, uh, the original from 1968. This one would have come out uh, sometime around 1982 or 83. I was very little, and uh, it really blew my mind, not just because of the psychedelia, but in the artwork and, like, just the way it just kind of, like, something else comics could be that I hadn't quite considered. And I think a lot of people had that same reaction. That's sort of why it sparked an underground comics revolution. So, uh, you know, my whole life I've been a big fan of Robert Crumb, uh, you know, come to collect a lot of his work. And I've, you know, saw the movie, I've read a lot of uh, his writing and his interviews and my initial thought was, I'll read that. I'll read something like that. There's so a ton to pick from. He's done tons of introductions to his books and other ones. There's a whole collection of his writings from when he was a teenager till he was, like, in his uh, mid-20s called... Uh, it's got a great title. It's called uh, Your Enthusiasm for Life Appalls Me. You no, know, Your Vigor for Life Appalls Me. Um, anyway, there, there's no dearth of, of source material to read from Robert Crump. But then I thought about it, I said, you know, that... You know, that would just be kind of me just, you know, talking to myself in a way about how, how great I think the guy is or whatever. Uh, I thought, you know, he has a lot of detractors. And I, about every 10 years, there seems to be a, a surge in people that uh, detract from Robert Crumb. And if you're not familiar with his work, you know, it's got some highly misogynistic content. It's got some racist content. And we'll, we'll talk about that, why that's like that in a minute. Um but there's a lot of people that talk about it, and, and about him as a person being kind of a sleaze bag, and it's the kind of thing that in the past I, you know, acknowledged, I didn't think it was wrong, but I also just sort of brushed it aside as more uh, general celebrity gossip, if that makes any sense, you know, that's like hearing, oh, I don't know, you know, one of the Kardashians uh, lost an eyelash or something like this. So, you know, I, I just don't really record it as being germane to my life, despite how much I respected Robert Crumb. So, um, what, I've, what I'm going to do here, after a little really brief biography about him, is I'm going to read something by a woman named Kim O'Connor. Uh, she's been involved in comics and writing about comics for a long, long time. Uh, she's got a website called The Shallow Brigade, a blog. It's on uh, the website is amazingcavalieri.com. I'm going to read something that she wrote that really stuck with me and made me think about my my position on robert crumb quite frankly uh which i think is a worthwhile thing to do i think it's uh you're not, never too old for a little self a little reflection just to see where you've come from where you're going and uh just to make sure you know you're behaving uh in, in a in a manner that is uh consistent with your ideals anyway so really briefly uh robert dennis crumb born august 30th 1943 in philadelphia Uh, Inspired by a bunch of sources, Walt Kelly, Fleischer Studios cartoons, Little Lulu, Mad Magazine, and Walt Disney The three Crumb Brothers would produce comics at home under the direction of the eldest Charles Jr. And they really cranked out dozens of the things Uh, The Crumb Brothers self-published humor magazine called Foo in 1958 And uh, sold it door-to-door and through the growing comic zine culture with little success And that soured Robert on comics for a while uh, after high school, Robert got married, moved to Cleveland, and he fell in with some local bohemians. Among them was Harvey Picar of American Splendor fame, but that's a whole other story. In 1965, Robert tried LSD for the first time when it was still legal, and uh, he says this changed his perception of everything and had a profound impact on his art. In 1967, January of that year, Crumb met a couple of acquaintances at a Cleveland bar who were heading to San Francisco. He decided to go along with them without telling his wife or his job, and his wife did follow later on. Uh, Zap Comics #1 premiered October 1968, drawn entirely by Crumb, and launched both the underground comic scene and his own path to success. And I'm going to put a pin in it there. Uh, you can check out, you know, Weird Comics History episodes on underground comics, and that's in the archives over at WeirdComicsHistory.blogspot.com. Now uh, I'm going to link to the, where this article is can be found exactly in the show notes. And I encourage everyone to look at it. It does have uh, some artwork that is referred to in the uh, article that, you know, obviously I cannot show you on, in the podcast. But uh, it's not it's not unreadable without it. But uh, I encourage everyone to go over there and check out the original source because there are links and things that you can uh, go check out. But I did, I did my best to compile it as best I can uh, in the audio format. So this one, it's by Kim O'Connor, again, on the Shallow Brigade at com and it's titled, Our Crumb is a Sexual Predator. Once every year or two, a journalist wheels Robert Crumb out from his basement, crumbles a few Viagra into his coffee, and prompts him to say something offensive. I haven't read that many Crumb interviews myself, but a few standouts include the one where he said he didn't believe in science, and that one was Robert Crumb live online, the interview that didn't happen from the Comics Journal, October 31st, 2011, and the one where he called Obama a House Negro, that was Robert Crumb Hates You from The Observer, uh, October 14th, 2015. More than anything, though, journalists love to talk to Crumb about sex and women. Among Crumb's many controversial thoughts and feelings on those subjects, there are times he has unwittingly described sexual assault that he has committed over the years. It is harrowing to read. The worst example I'm aware of dates back to 1991. That would be Zapp, an interview with Robert Crumb in the Comics Journal, republished November 19th, 2014. In the introduction, Gary Groth describes an image of the artist where Crumb is tweaking his critics by depicting himself, quote, standing atop a presumably dead naked woman's buttocks, chortling, fork him and cut their heads off. This is, of course, the sort of edgelord garbage for for which Crumb is celebrated, but Groth wants us to know that looks can be deceiving. Quote, No raving pervert. Crumb is soft-spoken, articulate, thoughtful, and above all, honest, both about his work and his own sex life. Really, Gary? Because that's not what I'm getting from this clip. And this is from the interview. Gary Groth asks, Is your libido still as active as it was in the 70s? And Robert Crumb replies, Oh yeah, sex for me is better than ever, actually. Refining it and honing it. The one thing I'm learning, it took me 40 years, is the bolder and more confident you are about what you like and what you want to do, the easier it is. It doesn't matter so much what it is you want to do, it can be any crazy weird thing. But if you're absolutely confident about it, and not project an image that there's something absolutely repulsive about yourself and what you want to do, women are pretty easy about that stuff a lot of times. Of course, you have to learn which women are the ones you can leap on, and which ones aren't. Croth says that's probably a very important part of this. Crum replies, "I've just never been a very smooth Valentino kind of guy. I can't talk myself into a woman's bed. I've never been able to do that. I'm not a fast-talking, smooth-talking guy. I'm not an operator at all. I've never been able to pick a, up a woman in a bar or anything. Some women that I know that I meet know I'm that I'm famous and are impressed by that." If I'm physically attracted to her, if she has a big butt and big legs and she's cute and everything, then I think, well, maybe she'll let me jump on her. Then I just try to do it. If I get away with it, fabulous. If not, then oh well. Groth says, "Have you ever been slugged or anything?" I've seen you jump on women. I was astonished. Crum replies, "One woman screamed and once once and ran from the house." Groth said, "How do you feel about that?" Crum replies, "I felt bad. I'm pretty sensitive." At first, I try to talk to them a little bit first. I don't jump on them till after I've talked to them for a little while. So, to recap, Crumb did something to a woman that made her scream and flee his home. Most humans at that point would realize they had done something wrong and experience guilt, shame, or alarm. Not Crumb. He just felt like a loser because he didn't get laid. Oh, well. He interpreted a woman screaming and running away from him as sexual rejection. Is that what you see? You'll notice something else about that exchange, which is that Groth himself has watched Crum jump on women, plural, meaning multiple times. Does that qualify as making a pass at someone, or were those assaults too? Who knows? But Groth describes, describes himself as astonished, and whatever went down was weird enough that he wondered if Crumb had ever been punched for it. Cool interview. But hey, that was in 1991, right? Maybe sexual assault was never okay, but attitudes toward it were certainly more permissive back then. If there's one thing we can say about history, it's that the past is always more rapey. For anyone with thoughts along those lines, I'd point to good old Gary G's 2011 interview with Crumb, in which Groth complains about how Crumb's honesty is ideologically used against him. They uh, chuckle about women and Crumb's sexual conquests throughout the whole interview. Fast forward to 2017 when Crumb was interviewed about famous people and history for some reason, and the, there are links to an undated batch of interviews on rcrumb.com titled Crumb on Others, Part 11. These are all compiled by Alex Wood. Uh, the, uh, Kim goes on, The premise of caring about what Crumb thinks about Napoleon is hilarious to me, but to each their own. Here's what Crumb had to say when he was asked about Donald Trump. I want to cut in here really quickly and say... This whole thing, this has nothing, I'm not making any commentary about current politics. This whole thing is about Robert Crumb. He has things he wants to say. They're his words. I'm not going down that path. This is a comics podcast. But what Crumb had to say was, I don't get it. The Democrats were so soft on him. I don't get it. Just watching that guy, he's so repellent. I can't imagine how anybody could give him two seconds of credibility. It's so obvious that he has no relationship to integrity or the truth. You can just see it, the sleaze, the thuggish aspect, the nastiness. I thought it was rather lame they made such a big issue out of Trump's crude sexual remarks. I don't think that's one of the main things to be concerned with Trump. He's one of those deplorables who can't help himself but talk that way, and as he said, it's just locker room talk, and 90% of heterosexual males can be caught talking that way. Okay, you don't want your president talking that way, but in private, who cares? It's like Clinton, who cares about Monica Lewinsky? I couldn't give a spit about any of that sexual behavior unless he's raping women, which he's not doing. Trump is not actually raping anybody, to my knowledge. I mean, some woman said he behaved inappropriately. I've been inappropriate, and I'm sure you have at your times in in your life, you know? That shouldn't be the main issue. But the Democrats tried to make such a big deal about that. And the media, oh, how terrible that he said those things, grabbing pussy or whatever. People's sex life, unless they're committing rape or doing something like that, should be nobody's business as far as I'm concerned. To make that an issue and not talk about what a forking crook he's been in his business transactions, what's that about? And Alex says, but Robert, it is an issue. Because what women are saying is you can't treat me that way, you can't talk to me that way, and you can't take your hand and grope my body this way. It's an issue for women, and they're half the population. It may not be an issue for you, but it's an issue for most women. Crumb said, yeah, but it's crude talk, and I'm sure. And Alex replies, but it's more than talk. He fondled them. He would go and fondle their breasts. He would actually put his hands on them. He would accost them. And he also did it verbally. From a woman's point of view, they shouldn't have to put up with that. And Crumb replies, I totally agree with that. But on the other hand, again, it's like 90% of the heterosexual male population has behaved that way at some time in their lives. And I've done it myself when I was young. I was out of control sometimes. If you're not raping people or molesting children, that's like a minor issue. It's not the main reason for not electing somebody because they've said some crude things about women in a private conversation which someone happened to be recording. I don't know if he really grabbed women's pussies, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past such an obnoxious SOB. Some say he kissed them when he was not invited to and stuff like that. Almost all men in high positions of power are guilty of that stuff. It's a huge hypocrisy that's just not talked about openly. And Kim continues, the assaults that Crumb describes committing here aren't as specific as what he described in the exchange that he had with Groth, but I think the implications are plain. It is within this context that Crumb's art exists, and it is up to each of us to decide what degree we should separate the art from the artist. The comic above, and of course I can't show it to you, but it's taken from the complete Crumb Comics number 17, published by Fantagraphic Books 2013. Uh, was celebrated by the A.V. Club in 2008, number one on a list of comics it described in the headline as confessional and unflattering. Julie Doucette picking her nose was number five. Per the write-up, uh, it said, quote, In the 1998 story, 1988 story, Memories Are Made of This, Crum recalls an evening in 1976 when he worked overtime to soften up a woman who was his exact physical ideal, and finally succeeded when she drank enough wine to be practically incoherent, end quote. This looks and sounds like rape to me, but AV Club seemed to find it pretty hot, quote. Then he had his way with her, sticking his hand in her mouth, pressing her head to the ground, and mounting her from behind like a cowboy on a bronco, end quote. Yeah, doggy, Rape that drunken bitch like you mean it. The headline also describes the comic as autobiography, though as someone who doesn't read Crumb, I don't know enough about its context to say that it was strictly how these panels were presented. I do know that if you talk to almost any autobiographical cartoonist, maybe any cartoonist full stop over 45, even progressive ones like Joe Sacco and Alison Bechdel, you will find that Crumb is universally beloved, with the notable exception of Trina Robbins, because Trina Robbins is forking red. And then we have the Comics Journal. Just a week or so ago, here's how Tim Hodler linked to the interview from which that long, pussy-grabbing excerpt was taken. His excerpt starts, Alex Wood talks to Robert Crumb. And he says, "All I can do is just pile onto what everyone else says about Donald Trump, you know? It's all people talk about. It's an endless subject of conversation and it's been since and has been since he started running for president. The media, of course, loved him, loved him. They couldn't get enough of Trump. He really shot their ratings up. People were either morbidly curious or outraged or they supported him, all of them. All the people I know that despised him, they just couldn't help but watch him and gasp in indignation at his latest outrageous statement. Did you hear what Trump said yesterday? That sort of thing. And of course, his supporters just lapped it up. The more outrageous, the better, as far as they were concerned. You'll note the way in which Hodler's excerpt frames Crum as the counterculture hero that so many people wish he was. Comics men just love talking about how, Trump has been, how Crumb has been taking down Trump since 1989. How did Hodler read that interview and choose that quote, while completely ignoring the much more newsworthy fact that Crumb found common ground with Trump over the one thing during the campaign that was so egregiously awful that even the most reprehensible Republicans denounced it? Well, probably the same way that people read the House Negro piece back in 2015 and chose to circulate this quote. And here Kim quotes a Twitter user that I'm not going to name here, but uh, that user wrote, Or quoted from Robert Crumb the part he said, We should still bomb mother forking banks, Robert Crumb. Kim goes on, Bitch, he lives in a villa in France. But bomb the banks, sure. He sure is sticking it to the man from his forking castle. Never mind that a single cover drawn by your anti-capitalist hero recently fetched more than $100,000 at auction. I have beef with people on my side, too. Someone read my roundup the other day, and he or she links to a post on the Shallow Brigade from January 27, 2017, where she does kind of a weekly roundup on her site of comics, things in the news, and uh, I, you know, thoughts that she's had, uh, and on there, uh, and tried to start a conversation about how crumb is gross. A uh, Twitter user wrote, comics, gather, why are we not talking about this? And posted two blocks of just text from uh, that recent roundup. Uh, Kim says, which is great, but then people who weren't shocked and or disgusted just seemed exasperated this was coming up again and were really condescending about it. Another Twitter user wrote, stop being surprised Robert Crumb is a forking asshole. You've been out of excuses since forever. And another wrote, wait, is it not acceptable to hate on Robert Crumb until just now? Kim goes on to say, I find that that's old news take really forking irritating because there's a good reason that this is news to people, and that's because Crumb is routinely whitewashed into a politically incorrect artist by comics, movers, and shakers. I'm not convinced that the term politically incorrect even begins to capture the frequency and degree of racism in his work, but that's a whole other ball of wax. And here's a JPEG of... One of his most famous pieces, which is about, uh, well, I'm going to say N-word hearts. And we'll talk about that at the end. Uh, I might be wrong about this, but I think a lot of people outside comics find images like the above shocking. Because this is the type of in- imagery that most people associate with Crumb. And here there's a JPEG of the Keep On Truckin' thing that I'm sure many of you are familiar with that did originate with Robert Crumb and was repurposed hundreds, if not thousands of times, all over the place. Uh, Kim goes on. But I'm getting off topic. To return to my point, yet another thing preventing Crumb's sexual predation from entering the record is when people conflate his whole thing with the more general strain of misogyny in the work of other autobiographical cartoonists from around the same period. A Twitter user here wrote, Crumb and all those old school comic men have always been disgusting. Kim says, please don't do that spit. It's insulting to all those other misogynistic piece of spit cartoonists because most of the time there really is a distinction to be made between IRL assault and fashioning a career out of drawing yourself jacking off. The interviews I've quoted are possibly the tip of the iceberg. Crumb is old and has been interviewed many times over the years, and I've skimmed maybe six of them. There's potentially other stuff I'm not aware of. On top of that, I would argue that comments that have that may have read as more or less innocuous in the past came across differently once you understand that Crumb's notion of sexual assault is limited to rape and attempted rape here's him talking in 2013 and this is on rcrumb.com titled bijou number no. 6 crum's comments from the certificate of Authent- authenticity which accompanies the bijou number no. 6 serigraph printed in January 2013 he writes "'Any apartment where two or three girls were living together "'was constantly being invaded by young males on the prowl, including me. "'With little, with little or no courtly preliminaries, I would, Im- "'I would impudently assault any young, luscious girl flesh "'that happened to be in the room. "'Sometimes they would just as casually push me off, sometimes not. "'It was hip at the time to be sexually permissive, "'but if they spurned my advances, I would back off. "'I was a sensitive male. I was not a rough, hard-ass.' I gave off no vibes of menace. I never forced myself on them or committed what's now called date rape. I was playful. I liked to horse around. I liked big, strong girls and would climb all over them, push them down and go for a ride on their butt, stuff like that. It's amazing now to remember how often the young girls I knew put up with my shenanigans. Maybe they liked it. I don't know. Kibb says, granted, this is an exercise in interpretation, unlike his other discussions of assault, which are unambiguous." But can you really trust his framing here? Certainly the phrase, little, little or no courtly preliminaries, gives me pause. Recall Gary Groth's comments from the 1991 interview. Recall that in the 2017 interview, Crumb described anything that's not, rape, that's not rape as people's sex life. Even with rape, we're talking about whatever he considers rape, which doesn't seem to include, say, fingering a girl who's in a drunken stupor apropos of nothing without giving her any indication of what he was about to do. Note that you can only make that last leap if you read the comic from earlier in this post as something that literally happened. Is that fair? Crum has other unsettling sexual comics that seem to be pure fantasy, so does it make sense to take a more banal one that's about date rape literally? I don't know. But someone who can take a long, hard look at that comic without wanting to puke should probably give that some serious thought. Consider this. Even the likes of former DC Comics editor Eddie Berganza didn't have the balls to publicly discuss the assaults they've committed. Even within the toxic milieu of corporate comics, that isn't permissible because even those empty, forking goblins have at least some vague notion that sexual assault and date rape are bad. I guess this is the honesty for which Crumb is so loved, being ignorant enough to assault women throughout his life without even realizing it, and existing within an environment that idolizes him for it. In comics today, there's a Crumb divide that can be broadly, if imperfectly, broken down into the older people who revere him and the younger people who find him repulsive and increasingly irrelevant. Crumb's defenders, and make no mistake, cultural gatekeepers like Groth have spent decades defending this guy, painting anyone who doesn't lap up his bull spit as an ignorant right-wing prude, would prefer to frame the central conflict as being purely about Crumb's controversial art. But that is only one piece of what becomes a very unsettling picture of a serial abuser in the underground comic scene that enabled him, that emerges from even the most cursory examination of words that Crumb himself has said in interviews. Such interviews are more or less consigned to obscurity, and people like Groth, for all their empty declarations about how much they value honesty in comics, will gladly whitewash Crumb's reputation until the day he dies, and probably long after that, The mythology of art comics relies heavily on these counterculture heroes who unwittingly perpetuate the status quo and celebrate themselves for it. Surely it's possible to acknowledge their failures without denying their contributions. Surely that would be the honest and brave things to do, to use a few terms those people profess to understand. I could care less whether or not people like Crumb's art. I'd like the record to show that he is a sexual predator, but I don't have high hopes for it. Apart from the huge obstacles like misogyny and hero worship, I think it's hard for people to perceive someone who looks like that as being capable of sexual assault, and that includes Crumb himself. It seems like the least that comics historians could do is acknowledge the stuff he's done that he's on the record talking about, which seems germane to his work, particularly his comics that depict sexual violence. Sadly, I don't have high hopes for that either. So how about the rest of us stop pretending that Crumb being gross is old news? It has never been news at all, and that's symptomatic of a much larger problem. And that's how she ends, and uh, it definitely gave me a lot of food for thought. Um, So, Crumb's artwork, obviously, is something that was hugely influential to me. And when I think about it, I think it really has to do with the inking, the uh, crudity, the kind of nervousness of his line, it kind of... uh, adds a grittiness, and, you know, he, he tends to labor over uh, the ugliness of people and the ugliness of the world. Um, I do think that, <laughs> pardon me, by and large, a lot of crumbs are work you're not supposed to look at and think it's a pleasant picture. You're supposed to be put off by it. Uh, for example, um, that uh, pretty famous bit he has about... Uh, I'm calling it n-word hearts because I can't even bring myself to say the word but obviously he uses the full word uh, and it's an ad for that for n-word hearts and the kids can't, can't get enough of it and I've always seen that as sort of like you're just showing America's you know cutesy racism you know it's our our way of you know objectifying black people and black culture by putting it in, a, we're literally canning it, you know that kind of thing. Uh, you know, there's even and that that character becomes a regular one called Angel Food McSpade, who is uh, obviously again like the, just a, a total 1930s racist character that is just uh, usually showing that side of our society. Uh, so that that's a lot of his artwork, you know, and there's definitely a lot of misogyny, but I've always seen that as an aspect of uh, like Gary Grothwood has said, just like this is part of the world you know the world isn't all uh pleasant but it's also is very true that i've just ignored the fact that i've known that crumb would jump on women and has you know been offensive and has grabbed women and you know even in the movie about him you see him uh, or, you know the the crumb documentary he jumps on a woman in that in that movie uh, i've read his interviews i've read his thoughts on women I, i've you know his wife um God, I can't remember her name right now. Uh, Aileen uh, Kaminsky Crum, uh also a cartoonist in her own right. Uh, she's she talks about him as being a, a kind of a sleaze bag all the time, and how you know they basically have an open marriage because he's like a sexual deviant and uh, has some kind of a sexual uh, addiction, maybe. So I, I can't pretend that I've just been a fan of his art and not, not a fan of the person that I've been uh, just looking at him at face value. Um. This does come to a point where I have to decide whether, you know, how far can we separate the art from the artist here? It is part of his artwork. I would say if his art, you know, if he drew what he drew, but he never, ever was uh, derogatory to women or, or abusive to women, I would say he was working it out through his art, and that's fine. But that's not the case. Um so that's something to think about, folks. Um, I I am I would like to say that I am I have an answer for you where we should stand on that. I think we know where we should stand on it, though. I think that the hard thing to face is that uh, you know a human piece of garbage that is honest about being a human piece of garbage does not suddenly become a uh, human piece of gold, right? Is that the saying? Is that a real? Did I just, did I just make that up? Anyway, uh, that's just really some food for thought. I I, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that, or at least uh, you got something out of it. I got a ton out of it. Uh, in the future, I will be talking just about underground comics. It's not always going to be a uh, invective against them, but I wanted to put this out there because it gave me pause and uh, was really relevant to you know my life and you know um, my fandom of of Robert Crumb that's been going on for. My entire life, pretty much So, uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think Obviously, you can uh, let me know In the comments on the Patreon side If you're there, or you can write to us At weirdcomicshistory uh, At gmail.com I'm on Twitter at Reggie, the, the website is on Twitter at Cosmic T-Mill uh, What else? we blogspot got com Is the site And uh, yeah, I'll be talking to you guys in a couple of weeks. There was the time when I thought of no other And we sing our own love's refrain Our hearts beat as one As we had our fun But time changes everything When you left me my poor heart was broken Our romance seemed all in vain the dark clouds are gone and there's blue skies again, cause time changes it.